What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode of Into the Night is brought to you by our loyal listeners and followers. Fazbear Entertainment appreciates your viewership and those who support the show by commenting, sharing, and subscribing. If you wish to support this broadcast, please consider checking out the official merch store and Patreon for more information. This episode is a continuation of our Security Breach audiobook series. If you haven't watched from the beginning, we recommend starting at episode 26, Security Breach, and listening to all episodes to this point to know the full context of the storyline so far. You're not going to talk to me? No? What's the problem? Oh, the flowers? Yes, these are particularly fragrant today, aren't they? I'll move them. There. Now, let's see. What are you looking at? You're amazingly alert, aren't you? All right. Well, I'd like to have you tell me about yourself. But I can see that you're not going to do that. Or are you? All right, then. If you aren't going to talk to me, I'll just go by these notes. You just sit there and be comfy. Or not. That chair doesn't really fit you, does it? Well, this won't take long. Let's see. Your previous counselor is no longer available. Does that bother you? No? You don't look surprised to see me sitting here instead of your last therapist. Well, then, let's get to it. I'll admit that some of what's in your file is a little surprising. Overall, you don't come across as a troublemaker, but if you read between the lines, it's clear that you have a little rebellious side, right? And I'm surprised by your knowledge of computers. You're something of a phenom. Do you know what that word means? It means you have unusual skill, like a hacker. I assume you know what a hacker is. Yes? Do you think of yourself as a hacker? This is episode 32. GGY. Part 2. It took a grueling 20 minutes, leaving him thoroughly soaked, but Tony finally arrived at the school's athletic field. Unfortunately, he couldn't deny the lingering unease that gripped him. He and his friends had attended numerous games in the past, 
but on those lively evenings, the fields and stands would bathe in the glow of colossal spotlights, and the bleachers were teeming with the spirited student body and proud families. It pulsated with life, breathing, and vibrant. The area didn't invoke that familiar vivacity now. The artificial turf laid bathed only in the feeble glow of security lights, the rain turning the entire field into a murky swamp, or perhaps quicksand. It seemed as though stepping onto the field might drag him down, engulfing him in an alternate reality and spiriting him away. He had witnessed worst alternate reality shows with similar plots. Tony shook his head. He dismounted his bike, propping it against a dimly lit lamppost intermediately flickering, his breath sinking with the erratic pulse of the bulb. Stepping into the arena of the athletic field, he scanned his surroundings, straining his senses for any signs of life in this desolate expanse. Rain drummed a staccato rhythm on his poncho, the metallic percussion amplified by the clinks and clatters against the metal bleachers. The storm's relentless cadence made it challenging to discern any other sound. A clank echoed from behind the bleachers, prompting Tony to whirl towards the noise. His flashlight pierced the darkness. Despite the illumination, the shadows beneath the bleacher stands concealed the source. Squinting, he took cautious steps closer, edging to the area where he believed the sound originated. Tony stopped. That voice. It was from a girl. Of course, of course it was a girl. How could he be so absent-minded? Morrigan was an Irish goddess. Or three of them. It all depended on what myth you read. Tony couldn't discern whether Finbar would be proud of his mythological knowledge, or disappointed that he had connected the dots sooner. Tony gripped his bat by his side, hoping it was discreet enough that anyone watching wouldn't notice. Apparently, he wasn't as covert as he believed. Letting the bat dangle casually by his side, but still poised for action, he sauntered toward the rear of the bleachers. Rain swept beneath the shelter of his poncho and onto his face. Tony brushed the precipitation from his face, blinking to clear his vision, all the while tracing the beguiling voice. Strangely, the voice carried a hint of familiarity to it and a hefty dose of attitude, though that might just be par for the course in his classrooms, which were filled with girls who seemed to exude such spirit, even the teachers. Slowing his footsteps, Tony swayed his flashlight smoothly through the darkness, rain maintaining its tinkling patter on the metal above. A silhouette ahead shifted suddenly, prompting him to grip his bat tightly and focus the beam of his torch on the figure. Cloaked in a black rain parka, a person approached, hands raised in a gesture of surrender. Tony eased his posture, but maintained a firm grip on his bat. The figure lifted their hands up to their hood and pulled it back. Tony's eyes widened, and he took a small intake of breath. It's you? The person beneath the parka was a dark-eyed girl with long, black braids. It was the senior pinball queen from the Fazcade. Tony felt his mouth go agape. He shook his head and tried to recover. Your name is Crystal, right? Mm-hmm. You talked to Axel, but you never told us your name. And Tony. Tony suppressed the urge to shut his eyes. He blurred his name out before he could remember he was supposed to go by Tarbell, his nom de plume for this story. Okay, Tony. Nice name. Crystal smiled softly. Rain was running down her pretty face, but she didn't wipe it away. Tony cleared his breath and walked a bit closer to her. How, how'd you know it was me on the forums? 
You're not as stealthy as you think. You're literally the only person going around asking about GGY. <laughs> so, so, why'd you meet with me? Crystal's lips tightened as she cast a gaze down at Tony's hands. Tony became aware of the death grip he still had on his baseball bat. He visibly loosened his hands, allowing the bat to hang loosely at his side. A fleeting smirk crossed Crystal's face, before her expression shifted to one of seriousness. I wanted to meet you because I think you might be sticking your nose into something that could get you in a lot of trouble. All I'm trying to do is find out who GGY is. Exactly. And I don't think that is a great idea for anybody, especially a little kid who doesn't know any better. But why? Use your brain, kid. You said it yourself in our PM that GGY has hacked a play pass. Do you think someone just grants themselves extra security permissions just for kicks? Well, I thought... Or, well... Well... Crystal stepped closer and poked Tony in the chest. She was so close that Tony could smell her breath. She must have recently eaten something chocolatey. I'm going to tell you something. And if I find out that you've told someone else, that baseball bat won't protect you. Tony involuntarily tightened the grip on his baseball bat after hearing her words, but was eventually able to speak. Okay. Crystal took a hard look into Tony's eyes, and after a brief moment of study, apparently satisfied, she nodded. All right, kid. I have a hobby, a bit of an unusual one. I'm good with computers, but mostly, I like hacking. I like to poke around and see what there is to see. I think it's fun to see what's behind the curtain. Or in this case, what's behind the screens. Sort of like, uh, GGY. No! No, not like GGY. I just look around, and whoever GGY is, they have another agenda. What's that? Crystal stepped back and shook her head. That's the thing. I don't know. No one does. All I know is that they are doing things that are weird. And when I say weird, I mean unpredictable. And when I say unpredictable, I mean dangerous. What, what what weird or dangerous things? Crystal folded her arms, casting her eyes across the enveloping darkness, never meeting Tony's gaze. The sensation of being washed hadn't overtaken Tony yet, but that familiar unease he experienced when Glamrock Freddy began stalking him had resurfaced. Mm. It felt like spiders were crawling behind his ears, and he had to suppress the instinct to shift his feet and look over his shoulders. After a moment, Crystal eventually returned her gaze to Tony. One of the things I was poking into was the Pizzaplex animatronics. I was curious about how their personalities and behaviors were chosen, why they were so lifelike. It was just for fun. I found an opening in a Pizzaplex terminal, so I decided to take a peek. Everything looked normal, I think. Look, the AI was insanely advanced and complex, but once I started to look deeper at their code, I began to spot some strange lines that didn't seem they belonged to their original programming. New lines of code that created additional conversations and behaviors in Glamrock Freddy, Chica, Roxy, Monty, the daycare attendant, all of them! It clearly wasn't legitimate coding from Fazbear Entertainment, because embedded in those strange lines of code were seemingly random G's and Y's. Hmm. I've read that some programmers leave null code as a form of breadcrumb trail, like a, like a signature to mark their work. Exactly! I do it sometimes too! And this signature was clearly made by a hacker. It couldn't have been from the original programmers. I'm sure of it. Hmm. Geez and wise, huh? I don't believe in coincidences. Me neither. For some reason, GGY wants to control the animatronics, but only in very specific ways. I don't know why, and I don't know what the code is designed to do. I didn't think much about it when I found it, 
and I really didn't care when I noticed it until you started asking around about GGY. I never noticed GGY on the high score roster, but once I noticed that, I... I don't know. I got nervous, and I felt like I should tell you. Twice when I've been at the Pizzaplex poking around, I caught Glamrock Freddy watching me. You need to be careful, kid. But, but why? None of my business. And I repeat, I don't care. I'm going back home and I am forgetting all about this. However, I do have a little brother. I would have felt terrible if I didn't tell you what I knew and warned you to be careful. Crystal quickly put on her parka hood and began to turn away from Tony. Now I've warned you, and I don't want to talk about this again. Tony raised his hand and tried Wait, to speak, I... but before he could, Crystal already was trotting back into the darkness, vanishing in the shadows. Alone once more, the unsettling feeling of being watched returned. Tony involuntarily tightened his grip on his baseball bat, and turned back to his bike, and began the ride back home. Tony spent the remainder of his weekend up in his room. His mother, not knowing any better, had suggested that they go to the Mega Pizzaplex for a little bit. But Tony shot that down quickly. The last thing he needed was to be trailed by Glamrock Freddy with his family in tow. Besides, even if it wasn't a day in which the Glamrocks were in a free roam state, Tony wouldn't be able to enjoy himself because he would still be too preoccupied thinking about GGY. The conversation with Crystal had injected a fresh dose of anxiety into Tony's already restless mind. He had set out to write a story about an unseen video game prodigy, not to get entangled in some supervillain conspiracy. He was in over his head, and he had no business getting involved beyond what he already knew. After all, this was just to get inspiration for a writing project for school. For school. He was a kid, and if someone was breaking the law, then that's the job of the local authorities. Tony had seen enough about GGY, and he wasn't interested in peering further behind the curtain. As the evening unfolded, and his grandmother and mom retired for the night, Tony delved into his story. Despite being stressed and tense in the beginning, he was eventually able to start getting into his writer flow. Despite their nom de plumes, Tony's co-authors hadn't been that interested in the project. When he had explained to them what his investigations had found earlier today, Boots had simply told Tony to just write what he thought was best. Then, after school on Monday, he and Rad would then put their two cents in. That's the way it has always been. Tony doing all the work, and his friends sharing the grade equally for throwing a few tidbits in at the end. Tony liked to write, so he usually didn't mind. Usually. Thankfully, when Tony entered his writer's zone, the world around him seemed to fade away. He could immerse himself in his ideas, finding solace in transcending thoughts and feelings onto the page. Tonight, he could barely type fast enough to keep pace with his ideas. Despite the anxiety and stress, they melted away as the situation had gifted him with beautiful inspiration for the story. The first page he wrote summarized it all too well. GGY had a plan, and it was a plan they weren't going to share with anyone. Working behind the scenes, wraith-like, worming their way into the dark maze of the Pizzaplex's restricted areas, GGY left only the subtlest trail behind. Did they leave the trail on purpose? Teasing anyone who dared to follow their convoluted intentions? Or were they so overconfident in their clearly superior hacking abilities that their carelessness left the occasional footprint? 
As Tony continued to write, he began to weave together his plot in a fantastical story, starting with the mystery of the high scores and moving into how GGY may have had some control over the animatronics. His initial investigation went from uncovering a hacker to discovering a supervillain, so he was going to give him a supervillain origin. After GGY adjusted the animatronics code, they became their new leader. Fazbear Entertainment may have thought the animatronics were in their control, but they weren't. The Glamrock stars of the Pizzaplex, Freddy and Chica and Monty and Roxy, continued to act normally most of the time. But in truth, under the facade of their normal duties, they were becoming GGY's minions. So the simple curiosity of how one person managed to outscore by the millions, all the other players in the Pizzaplex arcades turned out to be much, much more. GGY infiltrated the Pizzaplex so thoroughly that the Pizzaplex became their playground. What GGY and their obedient animatronics do there now, furtively moving in and out of the shadows, avoiding security guards and cameras, is something only GGY knows. The end. Tony reclined and extended his arms above his head. The story, in his estimation, was commendable. A masterpiece, even. Saving his document, Tony closed his laptop before he could start picking it apart. He knew he was never fully satisfied with his words, and he knew he could tinker with the story indefinitely if he didn't force himself to stop. He bent his fingers and cracked his knuckles to shake off his future arthritis before turning back to his closet to prepare for bed. Since he had been in his writing zone, he hadn't yet noticed that his grandma had fallen asleep with the TV still on. He didn't notice it before because he had been so focused on the project, but given how late it was, it was safe to assume she had to be asleep. Donning his PJs, he went to go check up on his grandma in her bedroom to find not only the door wide open, but his theory proving completely right. Tony <laughs> chuckled to himself, shaking his head as he approached the TV to power it down. The local news broadcast, his grandma's habitual nighttime viewing, had just concluded a segment on new businesses emerging in response to the Pizzaplex's prosperity, and just switched back to the main anchor. Thank you for that segment, Sandra. But now we must segue into our ongoing story about the investigation and disappearance of Mary Schneider. Tony stopped himself from turning the TV off. A memory was trying to clamber out of his subconscious and make itself heard. Something felt off, but still familiar. Tony stepped back and folded his arms, continuing to watch the anchor speak. The family of Mary Schneider, a local school counselor who disappeared nearly five months ago, has made another appeal to law enforcement and the public earlier today. She cared about her patients, and, and she listened to them, and really dug deep to find out what demons they were fighting inside of them. No, our Mary wouldn't have just taken off. Something, something happened to her. Please, we're just asking again if anyone knows anything to just please come forward. I want to see how we're Mary again. Police say they currently have no leads, and they welcome any and all information that might help them find the missing woman. Tony switched off the TV, and a somber expression clouded his features. Hmm. Miss Schneider. What a poor soul. The name reverberated in his memory. A few months back, she was the school counselor, though Tony hadn't personally crossed paths with her. Her image lingered in the school's corridors. She was a pleasant woman, adorned with round wire-framed glasses, always wearing a smile on her face. She struck him as a kind soul. Tony scrunched his face, shaking his head to dispel the fog that had settled in his thoughts. A faint buzzing in the recesses of his mind hinted at forgotten details, but the weariness tugged at him. Perhaps, he reasoned, his fatigue was stifling his ability to recall, 
All his cognitive reserves had been poured into the creation of his narrative. Tomorrow, after a night's sleep, he would confront whatever it was he felt eluded him. Tony looked back, ensuring his grandma still rested undisturbed, before closing the door to her room and retreating to his own, ready to surrender to the night's reprieve. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Have you thought more about what we talked about? In our last session, you told me you were sad and scared about what happened to you. I suggested you write down exactly what made you so sad and scared. Did you do that? You know, I work with people of all ages, from little kids to the very elderly, and everyone reacts to tragedy differently. Tragedy always leads to a feeling of loss. It's a hole that feels funny, right? Yeah, so if you could process those feelings, how do you think it would affect your fantasies? Would you keep them in the way they are? The next morning, a weary Tony lingered by his lockers, anticipating the impending school day. When his friends arrived, Tony handed copies of his narrative to Boots and Rap. Boots, wearing his trademark lopsided grin, read aloud the title of the story. The Mysterious GGY by Boots, Mr. Rabbit, and Tarbell. The title in Numb the Plums alone should get us an A. Tony chuckled, <laughs> but Boots wasn't entirely wrong. Miss Sato often emphasized the importance of a compelling title, and their previous submission centered around kids delving into the school after hours in search of a rumored hidden bank robbery's loot had earned high praise with its catchy title, The Loot in the Suit. The rhyming scheme had charmed Miss Sato, as well as the rest of the class. Although Tony occasionally mused about whether their grade would have remained unchanged, had they revealed to Miss Sato the story's real-life inspiration, not of hidden treasure buried away on school grounds, but how Tony and his friends had discovered that there was a loose basement window on the school grounds that even a child could easily pry open and gain access. There was some loose limestone next to an already cracked window that one could wriggle loose. Not enough for an adult to gain access, but a small teen or child could easily squeeze through. As far as Tony was aware, no one else knew about that. Not that anyone would care for secret access to a middle school basement, after all, there was not a hidden loot down there like the story would suggest, nor suit for that matter. Turning his attention to Rab, who was engrossed in the opening paragraphs with an inscrutable expression, Tony wondered what thoughts stirred in his friend's mind. Meanwhile, Boots breezed the material at a pace that eclipsed even Rab's deliberate pursuit. Well, uh, what do you think? Don't know yet. I assume it picks up as it goes along? Tony frowned. He thought the story had started at a good pace. He set up in the first few paragraphs alone, raised all sorts of intriguing questions. Despite their urge to retaliate, to remind Boots that criticism without contribution lacks substance, Tony, always the peacemaker, restrained himself from speaking out. Rab, to his credit, either appreciated the tale or, at minimum, maintained the courtesy of withholding negative opinions. As they prepared to disperse for their morning classes, Tony shut his locker and addressed his friends. 
Well, then, uh, I have to mow some lawns this afternoon. Oh, and uh, paint Mr. Browning's new man cave this evening. Can we meet early to work on any changes you guys think we need before we turn it in tomorrow morning? Sorry, Tarbell. No can do. I'm going to be late tomorrow. And I know that Rab has some appointment tomorrow morning. But that's all right. Rab and I can get together and work on it this evening. <laughs> Don't worry, Tarbell. It'll be fine. Tony clenched his teeth beneath the facade of a strained smile. This ongoing writing partnership with the three amigos and their indifferent attitudes, coupled with a lackluster support for his work, was rapidly wearing thin. Now with his anxiety rising from their forthcoming edits, Tony debated the possibility of having a word with Misato about reshuffling writing partners for their next assignment. After Tony was done with school, as well as mowing a couple of neighbors' lawns, Tony was finishing up his evening by painting Mr. Browning's man cave. Apparently, he was planning to make a study along with a sports memorabilia area in this small little room. Boxes of old books and autographed sport balls were stacked high outside in the hallway to the room. Moving the paint roller up and down the walls, watched the paint slowly drip and dry as he went. His mind was for the first time in a while, happily blank. His ever-curious mind was simply drifting on whatever was catching his interest in the room. Most of it was blank walls, but this had originally been their eldest son's room before he moved out. On the frame of the doorway, there was even the classic scratching chart along the inside, annual measurement notches of their oldest son's gradual growing height. Each tick on the frame had also been marked with his initials and date. First, middle, and last names, initialed all in capital letters. It kind of reminded him of the arcade high scores in the Fazcade. Barry! Mid-stroke with a paint roller, Tony found himself frozen. The thought of the initials made him think back to the time he was squatting in the employee kiosk in the Pizzaplex. One of the people's initials that were found on GGY's hacked play pass, one of the people he had let into the Pizzaplex after hours. One of their names was Mary. He remembered when he craned his neck that it was the only name he could fully read out. Why hadn't he connected the dots earlier? Because he had been tired. Tired and scared. Crystal had terrified him, and he didn't want anything more to do with GGY and what he had already uncovered. Tony began speeding up his paintwork, now only haphazardly spreading it around the walls. He was only half paying attention to his work, Less than that, even. His mind was on Mary Schneider, his missing school counselor, and his sudden realization that she had been connected to GGY. Recalling his mantra, when you hear hoofbeats, you think horses, not zebras, Tony reasoned that Mary was a common name, dismissing the connection as a wild leap. But doubt nodded him. If his suspicions were accurate, GGY was entangled in something significant within the Pizzaplex, a notion echoed by Crystal. While she might not be concerned about GGY's actions, Tony was, especially now that it involved a missing person. He might be on the brink of uncovering a major revelation, possibly the sole bearer of this clandestine knowledge. Tony began to quicken his pain strokes, happy that he had only had a small corner of the wall left to do. His mind was going a mile a minute. What if he was right? What if Mary Schneider was one of the people GGY's hacked play pass had let into the Pizzaplex after closing? Why would GGY have wanted her to come in the Pizzaplex in the first place? What had they done to her, and where were they keeping her? Was it possible she was still locked in the building somewhere? In less than five minutes, Tony had finished up his work. He quickly put the lid back on the paint can and rushed to clean up the roller. Tony had only just done the first coat, so he luckily wouldn't have to clean up the drop cloths at this very moment. After wrapping up in the man cave, Tony was back on the main floor of the house in a rush to get out. He put on his shoes and looked back in the living room. Both Mr. and Mrs. Browning were busy watching a game show, side by side in their easy chairs, not facing Tony. Uh, I'll, I'll be back tomorrow evening to do the second coat, Mr. Browning. Mr. Browning didn't look back. That or he was asleep and didn't hear him. Miss Browning, knitting something pink and yellow, 
gave an annoyed look at her husband before giving Tony a sweet wave goodbye as he quickly opened and shut their front door. In the muted yellow glow of the Browning's front yard pole light, which ironically highlighted more so the darker parts of his surroundings, Tony rushed towards his bike. The rain had yet again returned, but had been falling softly tonight. It wasn't much more than just a simple mist, which felt good on Tony's face after having worked in that stuffy room all evening. Breathing in the cool, musky night air, he paced back and forth in front of his bike. Think, Tony mentally committed himself. He had most of the puzzle pieces now. He just needed to logically put them all together. Okay, let's start thinking about this logically. This GGY is a proficient hacker who has seemingly unlimited access to the pizza plex. I know this because not only does this person have insanely high scores on arcade machines without any witnesses to these prestigious feats, but also because Finbar had theorized it. I confirmed his theory through the employee kiosk, which confirmed he had stolen a play pass, which he suited up with security clearances and used it after hours to sneak three other people in, including someone named Mary. This person, according to Crystal, also has access to the animatronic databanks and potentially can even remotely control them if my experience with Glamrock Freddy has been any indication. Controlling the animatronics, it's, it's doubtful that an adult would do that. Well, what would they gain from it? If someone was that skilled in getting into places, they would look into stealing Fazbear Entertainment secrets or, or siphoning money from them, not messing around with video games or the animatronics AI after hours. So, if, if my theory is correct, and this Mary they let in was the same Mary who used to work in my school, then it is safe to deduce that GGY is a kid, relatively around my age, and currently goes to my school, and that's how they knew about Mary Schneider. Tony stopped in his pacing. So, what? Knowing Mary Schneider didn't mean anything. Most of the kids at school had either known her or know of her. The issue here is why GGY would have any association with her. Why would he have a problem with her? Mm -hmm. Tony thought back to his story. GGY controlling the animatronics in the entire Pizzaplex, turning it into his own personal kingdom. What do rulers do to threats that run a potential risk to their rule? They... Eliminate them. Tony looked down the street. The Brownies were only a few houses down from his grandma's house. He could see her window glow with the blue radiance of her TV light. It was late. She'd be watching her TV loudly and Tony's mom would be trying to go asleep. They wouldn't check on him before he went to bed tonight. Tony looked back over his shoulder towards town. Towards his school closing his eyes and scrunching his face and gritting his teeth, he made a decision. Straddling his bike, he set the wheels in motion, pedaling away from the familiar comfort of home and into the shadows of the town. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. When I'm getting to know a new client, I like to start by finding out directly from them what they like to do. How do you spend all the time you have? Nothing. Well, how do you feel about sports? You like sports? Yeah? No? Oh, I get it. You like to watch them, but not play them. You like being inside, don't you? I get that. Lots of weird stuff outdoors, isn't there? Yeah, I understand. Well, I hate to do this right off the bat, but I've been directed to ask you about this. Apparently, I'm the fourth therapist you've had. 
And apparently all three of your former therapists have gone missing. Or two of them are missing. I don't want to scare you, but I have to tell you that one of them was found dead. That doesn't seem to upset you. Well, then I guess I'll go ahead and tell you that the woman's body was pretty messed up. It looked like it was mangled by machinery. That doesn't bother you either? Hmm. It's all pretty strange, I think. I'm not clear on the circumstances. Apparently the police don't have any evidence. How does all of this make you feel? Maybe I should be watching my back. Yeah, that's funny, isn't it? Okay, shall we move on to something lighter? As Tony stealthily nestled his bike against the school's rear walls, a gnawing concern crept into his thoughts. What if someone else had discovered his hidden way into the building? It had been several weeks since he and his friends had both found and used it. If one of the school groundkeepers had solved the crack, they would have repaired it by now. It would have been swiftly mended, leaving Tony without his secret access. Fortunately, Tony didn't have to worry about that. As he scuttled past the bushes that lined the back of the school and walked as quietly as he could in the rain, he was relieved to see that the crack in the wall was still there. The limestone could still be moved. In just a few minutes, Tony had shoved aside the grinning stone and squeezed through the barely wide enough hole between them. The stone, when Tony shifted it, smelled faintly of rotten eggs. Tony knew from science class that this was because the rocks, when rubbed together, emitted sphereated hydrogen. Like that's important right now? Uh, <clears throat> After moving the blocks all the way, Tony dropped to the school's basement smooth cement floor. He was in the dark, pierced only by the flickering safety light, and the ambient sound of sewage water and the rain's soft pattering enveloped him. This wasn't Tony's inaugural venture into the school after hours, yet traversing this musky, desolate basement alone felt distinctly eerie compared to the shared dares with his friends. Ascending the steep stone stairs leading from the basement to the main floor, Tony tried to convince himself that this clandestine mission would be a breeze and worth the risk. During the bike ride over, he had already devised a plan. The key to accessing school records lay in Miss Hawkins' computer in the library. Tony knew and liked Miss Hawkins. She was a grandmotherly librarian with a pun-heavy sense of humor and a surprising amount of high energy for someone of her age. She had an office he had been into, although it was not much more than a small alcove near the back of the school library. It wasn't a space that could be locked so her computer could be easily accessed. Tony was one of her favorite students in the school. She had even helped him out with researching some of his stories through her computer in her office. That was why he knew her password. As Tony stealthily navigated the hallways, his gaze continuously flitting to the corners, wary of the internal security cameras. Despite the school's antiquity, there were some rudimentary surveillance systems set up. It was sparse, but thankfully he had a good memory, and could recall where the cameras had been the last time he and his friends had snuck in. Avoiding them was relatively easy. There were so many blind spots that he was surprised the school even bothered with the cameras in the first place. It only took Tony eight minutes to get from the basement to the library, and then into Miss Hawkins' office. There weren't any cameras in the library, beyond the front desk, so Tony just had to go the long way around in order to not get spotted by the library's CCTV. Tony took a seat in Miss Hawkins' white leather desk chair and scooted it towards her relic of a desk. The desk wood was very dark. It looked almost black in the unlit office. Tony took out his flashlight and set it up so he could see the keys on the keyboard. Quickly typing in her password, Shelly and Petey, the name of her two grandchildren, he quickly looked into the school's personnel records. He wanted to find anything and everything he could about Mary Schneider. Looking into the private records of the school, Tony quickly realized the files were organized by position, so he clicked on the Counselors tab. Within the folder, Tony found a list of counselors from current and past. 
Mary Schneider's file jumped out to him immediately, but before he could click on it, hmm. his gaze landed on the counselors below her. As his eyes lingered on the names below Mary, Tony could feel his mouth go dry. The counselor list wasn't long, but each name had a date to indicate the counselor's tenure at the school. Only four of the names had a date within the last couple of years. The first name on the list for the dates in question was Mary Schneider's. After her came Raylan Lawrence and Trina Welch, then Georgia Lowe, who had been the school's current counselor. Next to each name, two dates noted the time that the counselors worked at the school. Mary had worked there the longest, 33 years ago, before she disappeared. Tony leaned forward with a raised eyebrow as he stood at the other dates. Raylan Lawrence had replaced Mary Schneider, and she'd only worked there a month. Trina Welch had been the next counselor, and she'd lasted just seven weeks. The school had actually been without a counselor for a few weeks up until Georgia Lowe had just started a month ago. Hmm. Tony leaned back and thought. Why hadn't he noticed that the school had been going through so many counselors? He shrugged. I guess he had no reason to notice because he never met any of them. But that familiar buzz that prized the back of his mind was at it again. There was something wrong here. What was it? Tony clicked on Mary's folder. There wasn't much to it, just a resume, a few performance reports, and a quick summary page. He was able to skim through everything relatively quickly. Although, he did stop and think on the final note of the summary page. The reason for exit. As he already knew, it stated that Mary Shiner was, quote, missing, disappearance under investigation, unquote. Nothing else in the file was interesting, yet the buzzing persisted. He backtracked, clicking on the file for Raylan Lawrence, which was more sparse than even Mary's barren file. Not even a performance report to their name. Tony clicked on the summary page, though, and sucked in his breath. Raylan's reason for exit was identical to Mary's. She was missing, too. How did he not know that? Had it been on the news and he missed it? Tony quickly brought up Trina Welch's file. He could feel his heart rate pick up the pace and a trickle of sweat run down the back of his neck. Swiping it away, and with a bit of courage, he opened up Trina's summary page. Tony leaned in even closer to the monitor. He couldn't believe it. Trina was missing as well. Three out of the four women had gone missing. Why had that not been mentioned on the news report the other night? Tony drummed his fingers on Miss Hawkins' desk. Was it possible the school was trying to keep the situation quiet? You could understand if they were, but how are they so successful in doing it? It isn't as if police wouldn't be also aware and could also easily put two and two together. Yet despite that, the back of Tony's head was still prodding him. That eternal buzz in the back of his mind was screaming him to find something obvious. Yet. He could not discern what it was trying to point out to him. He clicked back the list of names and stared at them for a few moments, wondering what had potentially happened to them. He knew that Mary was somehow connected to GGY. <gasps> That's it! That memory, that memory that was buzzing and screaming at him finally revealed itself. Tony's mind suddenly recalled the mental snapshot of what he'd seen on the Pizza Plexus kiosk computer. He remembered the first three letters of the other two people on GGY's play pass besides Mary. The other two people he had let in the Pizzaplex after hours. The initials were R-A-E and T-R-E. At least, at the time, he thought those were initials, but they weren't. It was Raylan and Trina. A thousand times not a coincidence. <gasps> Tony suddenly felt like his skin was trying to crawl off his body, his heart pounding at an alarming rate. Somewhere in the old school building, something chattered. A mouse, maybe. Or was it something else? It could have been the wind it was picking up outside, and he could hear it pressing against the window pane beside him. But that feeling, that same feeling he got when he was alone after meeting Crystal beneath the bleachers, that feeling of being watched had resurfaced. Tony wanted to get out of here. 
He quickly skimmed the rest of the school records with counselors, hoping to spot a list of students that each counselor had worked with. If he could find someone with the initial GGY, or just a list of students who had been with each of the women who had disappeared, it would be a start in uncovering who this kidnapper was. But if such a list existed, it wasn't in the files Tony could access. After 10 minutes of frantic searching, he gave up. When he was at the Brownings, it felt like his mind was at a mile per minute. Now, it felt like it was going 100 miles per second. GGY had to have something to do with the counselor's disappearance. That much had to be concluded. But why would GGY have done something to these three women, even as far as kidnapping? Or worse? Well, he was able to figure out about GGY through his own digging. What if these counselors had done something similar? Maybe, one by one, they'd cut on to whatever GGY was doing at the Pizzaplex, and maybe other places too. Who knows what this person is capable of now? I mean, they are clearly brilliant, brilliant beyond their age. What if? What if the counselors had discovered what GGY was doing, and what if they'd known that they were onto them? And then, what if they lured them, somehow, to the Pizzaplex to do away with them? <laughs> Tony gave a false chuckle. It sounded out there when he said it out loud, but as his mind caught up to his words, if a kid was this brilliant to be such a proficient hacker at such a young age, couldn't said brilliant kid who was doing something illegal possibly kill to cover what they were doing? It was wild, sure, but he recalled his favorite mantra. Sometimes truth is stranger than fiction. Still, Tony was missing so many facts. He couldn't possibly fill in the gaps with what he currently knew. He'd have to do more digging, because if he didn't, who else would figure out what GGY was doing? If someone had dug more into the embezzlement Tony's dad had been convicted of, maybe his father wouldn't have been thrown in jail. Tony didn't think getting to the facts should be an option for a journalist. It had to be a necessity. Tony had to get to the truth of what GGY was doing. GGY was no longer some kid who got high scores and hacked the Pizzaplex for jollies. No, they were up to something far more malicious and sinister. Huh? Deep in the belly of the old building, Tony heard the reverberating echo of something clunking like a book falling off a shelf somewhere. Tony stood up so fast the noise that Miss Hawkins' chair shot backwards behind him and into a nearby shelf. That was enough. Tony was absolutely freaked out. He needed to get out of here. The next morning, Tony waited for boots in front of his locker like normal. Today, the sun was shining which had been a nice change of pace from the dreary rain they had been drowning in for the past few weeks. When Boots finally made it to his locker, Tony had to let him know what he had discovered. So, Boots, uh, last night I, uh... Oh, we added some stuff to the story, by the way. Uh, like what? Here, go ahead, read it. But do it fast, because we only have, uh, 15 minutes before we need to hand it in. GGY was the wizard's most favored apprentice... Cool, huh? Rab came up with that idea. Keep going, it gets better. Tony kept reading through the second page of the story, which had been nothing but a corporate conspiracy that somehow reached another planet where some wizard had resided. Oh my god. Tony's head began to throb. Uh, Tony's description of Gigi's wife's control over the animatronics had been turned into some strange Gundam story where a supervillain went into battle with a tentacled monster. Tony was pretty sure his ears were emitting steam, similar alongside a very visible hot red face. Tony had to stop himself from crumbling up the paper he was holding with a death grip. They had ruined his story. Tony had written a story based on a true life mystery, and his friends had taken all that realism out of it. They transformed the story from something believable, therefore creepily eerie, into something utterly bizarre and not in the least bit disturbing or intriguing. Tony quickly tried to pull out a pen and scribble out the story. He had to fix what they had destroyed. Dude, what are you doing? Look at the time! Tony glanced at his watch. The bell was about to ring in just a minute. 
flinging a glare and suppressing a growl. He flung himself from his locker up to the stairs. They'd probably get a C on it, but I guess a C is better than an F. He placed a piece of garbage that masqueraded as a story onto Miss Sato's desk as water began to well into his eyes. Hey, you're welcome, Tarbell. Thanks, Ellis. Ellis shot Tony a confused face. Tony's idiotic friends did not deserve to have a nom de plume ever again. From here on out, Boots was Ellis, and as far as he was concerned, he was never riding with either his friends again. Tony Becker, please report to Principal Atkins' office immediately. Hey man, is everything okay? Tony simply shook his head, not bothering to acknowledge his friend and simply turned his back to him and walked away, keeping his head down to ignore the curious looks he was getting from his other classmates. Tony hurriedly passed the hallway to the stairs, where he then trudged down to the main level and went directly to the glass-walled administrative office. The chairs of the small lobby of admin were empty, and the only person besides Tony who was in there was Mr. Atkins' secretary, petite and sour-faced Miss Logan, working on her computer behind her desk that was crammed between rows of filing cabinets, fax machines, and photocopiers. When Tony entered, Miss Logan didn't say anything when she spotted him, simply motioning with her chin towards Mr. Atkins' closed office door. Tony didn't bother to acknowledge her like he would normally have done. His mind was too preoccupied with trying to figure out why he'd been called to the principal's office in the first place. Tony pushed on Mr. Atkins' door and stepped into his big square office, lined with heavy, dark shelves stuffed full of books and photographs. He looked across a massive, shining cherry wood desk at the huge man who ran their school. With his dark olive skin and strong features, Mr. Atkins always made a confident impression. He was wearing his usual black suit and a red tie, which reminded Tony more of a mafia don than a principal. You wanted to see me, sir? Tony, sit. Tony followed his instructions, sitting in one of the black wood chairs in front of Mr. Atkins' desk. Specifically, the one that Mr. Atkin had motioned him towards with his ogre-sized hands. It's come to my attention that you snuck into Mrs. Hawkins' office last night. How? How did I find out? Uh, yes, sir. Well, you were caught on camera. Oh, sorry. He's lying, Tony thought. Tony had known where the cameras were. He stayed clear of them before and he hadn't been caught and he didn't make any mistakes from sneaking in last night. Of course, saying that at the moment wouldn't have helped at all, but if he had had been caught on camera, how had he been seen? Tony's mind thought back to those odd sounds he'd dismissed beforehand. Had someone else been in the school with him? The thought made his stomach twist into knots, but it had to be true. Someone had ratted him out. Why in the world would you even do such a thing, Tony? Why'd you sneak in last night? Uh, it was just a stupid dare. <sighs> You've had a clean record up till now, son. Good grades, too. High praise from teachers and faculty alike. Tell you what, after school you'll go back to the library for detention. One day, you can explain to Mrs. Hawkins why you violated her space. And you'll also do whatever tasks she deems appropriate until she gives you permission to leave. Capiche? Yes, sir. I understand. All right. You're dismissed. Go on. Get back to your class. And hey, Tony, you're a good kid. Don't beat yourself up over one mistake. Tony nodded as Mr. Atkins waved him away. Tony meekly left the office and went into his locker to his books for his next class. After school, Tony was put to work in the library by reshelving a bunch of books his fellow classmates hadn't put back. Miss Hotkins had thankfully, and surprisingly, been very understanding and calm about Tony's quote-unquote violating her space. In fact, she was somewhat conspiratorial about it when Tony had reported to the library after school. She was asking him all sorts of questions on if he was doing research for another one of his stories. She had been right, but 
Tony didn't let her in on more than that. Heading toward the closest shelf near the door to the hallway, Tony began scanning the rows for where the next stack of books needed to go. Tony! Hey, Tony! Before he found its spot, he heard his name being called. He looked up and scowled at the other culprit, who had ruined his story. Boots said you weren't happy to the changes we made to your story. Sorry we did so much to it. We might have gotten carried away. But we were just trying to make it more entertaining. Tony wanted to unload all the righteous indignation he'd been carrying around all day. But that wouldn't have accomplished anything. He learned his lesson. He wouldn't be partnering with his friends on a story again. He'd find someone else in the class to work with from now on. So Tony simply turned to his friend with a sarcastic smile. Thanks, Gregory. Like Ellis, Tony was done calling Greg by his nickname. Rab was Gregory from here on out. See you tomorrow. Tony raised a hand to try and shoo him away, which Greg simply waved back but didn't leave. Instead, Greg simply smiled. Then he cocked his head and studied Tony for several seconds as he shelved. For some reason, Greg's scrutiny made Tony want to squirm. But before Tony could figure out why he felt that odd, Greg started to walk away. Tony let out a pent-up breath. Then, Greg stopped and walked back to Tony. Listen, how about you meet me at the Pizzaplex when you get out of here? In an hour or so. I have some people I want you to meet. We'll have some fun, and you'll forget all about the story and attention. Tony didn't look at Greg while he was talking, both as a way to ignore him, but also to hide his unease. Tony wasn't all that keen on going back to the Pizzaplex. He couldn't be in the place now without thinking of GGY and the modified animatronics. GGY. Tony stopped himself from putting one of the books back on its shelf before slowly meeting Gregory's gaze. Come on, say yes. We'll get you cheered up. I got another message from the text at the Pizzaplex. I'm afraid it's about you again. The techs have been struggling to fix some serious glitches with the robots. I'm not sure what exactly is wrong, except that it's making the robots more eerie than entertaining. You like that? Eerie instead of entertaining? Thanks, but it's really not that funny. Apparently, the glitch extended beyond the robots. It went system-wide. It began infecting all the machines, and when the techs traced the glitch back to its origin, it led them to you. I'm, I'm not going to pretend to understand everything I'm reading here, but what I get is that the system-wide glitch was like a cascade that was broadcasting a very dangerous message. While the techs were trying to reprogram the system to remove the glitch, the source of the glitch shifted. You'll have to excuse me, I'm not all that familiar with computer programming, so I might get this wrong, but what I understand is that the glitch stopped being a glitch and turned into an intentional set of subroutines that were aimed at creating the same thing the glitch created. Those subroutines seem to have come from you. Can you explain that? Listen, I'm on your side here. Our sessions are just between you and me. The techs can't prove what they think, so you're not in trouble. I just thought you could tell me what you're trying to do. Maybe if we could get to the bottom of that, it could help you. What do you think? Still not talking? Alright. Well then let's do this. Why don't we talk about the research I did in your past, shall we? 
Some therapists think they should only focus on information they get from their clients, but some therapists, like me, think it's helpful to find out about clients from other sources. Want to guess what I found out when I looked into the tragedy of your past? All that stuff about your parents? You aren't even going to look at me? Fine. You can look at the floor all you want. But it won't change the fact that none of what you said in your file about your parents was true. The truth is, you had great parents. A great childhood. Why did you lie? Look at me. Tell me why you lied. You... <clears throat> well, I can understand why you might feel angry about the way I just confronted you. Why don't we come back to this another day? You're shaking your head as though that's not going to happen. Thus ends tonight's program of End of the Night. When we return next time, will Gregory be able to escape the clutches of Vanessa? What has Glamrock Freddy been up to this whole time? And what happened to all those missing therapists? All that and more next time on Into the Night. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to stay updated, please consider subscribing, following, or sharing this podcast. It truly helps us broaden our reach. Consider following us on our Twitter at Fazbear Podcast, joining on our Discord, or supporting us on our Patreon or merch store using the various links in the description of this episode. I have been your host, Nick, and I'd like to thank all of you once again for listening. Have a good night, folks, and drive home safe. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.